This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and we have a new co-host in here with us today. And it's always a joy of mine when we bring on, I always look at these guys as brothers, brothers or sisters, because they are athletes and we have a professional athlete. We have a retired, I don't, I don't even want to say that because it's not my spot to say it, but a former uh, National Football League player, NFL player, uh, played for the Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars, and my skins, my Washington Redskins. He's a <laughs> husband. He is a father. We have Michael Cosson in with us. Michael, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Brooks. Appreciate it, man. Dude, did I say your last last name right? You Cosson? did. You did. Okay. And that's, I- that's my wife's biggest gripe about being married with me really is my last name because legally yeah. her last name is Cawson and yeah. no one can pronounce it over the phone. Everyone thinks when you say S, they say F. It's like, oh, Coffin, uh, got it. Got it. We're like, no, okay, whatever. No. Oh, Cawson. Uh, my last name gets butchered all the time. My last name is Like, although it looks like Leach. And so I'm always like, oh, I just want to say people's names, right? So <laughs> brother, I appreciate you for being on the show. Um, I want to dig into your journey because the reason I like, I always love the, the journey of an athlete because I was one, but like your journey and reading your bio and seeing your transition from sport to what you're doing now is, is it just aligns with me. So um, you were a professional football player, which mm-hmm. kudos to you, dude, that is a freaking beast of a sport. That is a hard, hard sport. Um, and now you've come out of the sport as I have. Mm-hmm. And I want you to share with our listeners who they maybe uh, haven't listened to your podcast yet. But what the transition has been like for you coming out of the sport, moving in, transitioning to trying to find a new passion? For sure. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, as an athlete, you can kind of relate to when you're in it, when you're in your sport, it does feel like it's you're going to be in it for your life. Like right? it, you can't really foresee you not doing it. You know, inevitably you have to stop, but yeah. you just that's not a reality for you. It's just for athletes. We get stuck in our bubble in our mindset because it consumes you so much. So when you come out of that bubble and out of that pink cloud of, of real of, you know, being an athlete and going back into reality, it's, it is the what now, like you yeah. can prepare all you want. And I did that too. When I was, you know, playing the NFL, I did externships every season. I, I try to set myself up, but then life happens. I meet my wife. I moved to a different state. All my kind of connections were back East. So things are just different and you, you roll with those obstacles. So it was just, you know, I I guess I say to your listeners, imagine not doing the thing you've done your entire life and then just starting all over. Yeah. It's like, what does that look like? So I think that's so important because I think a lot of people are going through that. I don't think it's just something that professional athletes go through. And so as a listener of this podcast, it's going to be Michael and I sharing our stories in relation to hockey and in relation to football, but it can be just a midlife pivot. It can be maybe COVID has interrupted your business or your career, and maybe now you're looking for a pivot. So in this, in this episode, we're going to get into possible pivots or transitions in mm-hmm. career, loss of purpose, shakeups, um, things that are outside of your control that maybe redirect you on a new path. And we're also going to dive into some listener questions about why men like sports so much. So who better to answer that than you, buddy? Uh, <laughs> but what have you found being the biggest challenge um, for you personally in, in finding something post sports, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Has it been letting go of sports or has it been finding something else that you're passionate about? It's, 
it hasn't been letting go of sports because I'm, I'm sure you can relate. It's like the first couple seasons after you retire, you don't want to be around it. You don't really want to talk about it. You can't watch it. Like, don't even not think about it, that, not, right? Not, not so, watching it. Right? Why is that? Tell it, me why that is. It's too close to home still because you see all these guys that you either played beside, played against, and you're like, this guy's still playing. And, yeah, and right. you just, you miss, and not that you're judging that person for not being good enough to still play, but you just miss being out there. You know, you ask any of us, 99.9% of us are going to say, what do we miss the most? The locker room, the camaraderie, the guys, that environment. And so it's just, when I would watch it, I would start to think of those things and think about that brotherhood and, and think about my connection with my teammates and everything. And so I couldn't watch it the first couple of years. Now, five years removed, I'm to the point where I can watch it as a fan again. I enjoy it. Um, but it's the the biggest struggle for me has been so letting go of the game was was fine. It's it really is finding that purpose, that thing that gets you up in the morning. And again, most professional people in general, but especially athletes, our days are scheduled from top yeah. to bottom. And yeah. so when you go when you have that lifestyle for so long and then it just ceases to exist, it's like, wait, I'm used to someone telling me what my day is going to look like, or at least in the off season, I know I'm, I'm scheduled with trainers. I'm scheduled doing the things yeah. I need to do. Now it's like, eh, what, you know, try, I'm like lost. I'm like, what do I do? I don't have yeah. to do this. I don't have to do that. So that's been the biggest struggle for me is on a day to day basis, just trying to find a routine. Mine has been, that's interesting. Mine has been, I bet a lot of people listening can assimilate with that because their, their routines have been disrupted with COVID, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden you're at home, all of a sudden now you got to be a parent and like a teacher and do your job and your gym is closed and your church is closed and like, geez, you used to travel, but oh, you can't see family now. Like um, a lot of routines have been disrupted. My biggest struggle struggle has been finding something that I'm equally as passionate about. Two, actually two struggles. One, I missed the Uber competition. I miss mm-hmm. lining up with and playing against the best in the world mm-hmm. and that measuring stick. I miss that so much. So I miss the Uber competition. Um, and then the other thing I miss is just something that I am so consumed by and, and driven to accomplish and proud of and just fascinated with the, the pursuit of mastery. I miss mm-hmm. the pursuit of mastery because as an athlete, that's what you are. You're pursuing the mastery of your craft, mm-hmm. excellence within yourself to, to be excellent at this craft. And I haven't shown up that way in other things that I have done um, since I have lost. Not lost. Yeah, even the way I say it, lost hockey since my career has been over. So um, I try and be a better podcast host. I try right. and study other podcast hosts. I try and get better at conversations. Um, but I'll even admit it's not to the level that I was as an athlete. No. That was a pursuit every single day for every decision you made. And so part of my heart breaks the fact that I am not that committed like I was as an athlete to the podcast or other little endeavors that I do. My heart just breaks a little bit that well think about this too and this is you know i know we have a question today about like why men love sports so much my answer to to that but also to what you're saying is what else in life do does anybody have that makes them as excited and passionate as sports Mm. there's nothing but maybe gambling you know if you win a big bet but besides that that instant you know uh euphoric feeling of 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 happiness and success there's nothing that gets you to jump out of your seat 
like sports does. So right. when you're playing, doing that as a career and you have that high and low of working your ass off and feeling those feelings, it's like, and then you go into something else. Like you said, podcast, I try to do the same thing. I try to get better at asking questions. I try to get be a better host or be a better husband, but there's nothing else for that 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 gratification of of seeing your hard work pay off or whatever yeah. it may be. There's just nothing that really gets you out of your seat. So it's hard to find a substitute. Yeah, uh, and the sudden victory and the sudden death of it, like the and because the sudden victory when you see athletes, this is sharing to anybody listening. When you see grown men or women athletes just overcome by joy and elated at a moment of success when they, they get a touchdown or you score a goal or something, they win. Like they just like right. the, the pure emotion comes out. The pure emotion comes out because they're you're competing against somebody that's equally as talented, equally as committed, equally as driven, you know, uh, and to find your way to overcome that and to beat them is such is such a reward because so much goes into it we're not just talking about a month of preparation we're talking about years and decades of preparation that go into that moment of overcoming and winning and achieving and that's been hard for me to replace in in the transition years of my life right now but steve young who i don't know if you ever played against steve he was probably out of the league before he was out of league yeah before me but Steve's a friend. He gave me great advice one time. Steve is three-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, he said, appreciate your life as an athlete for what it was. The building, the sounds of the building, the games you got to play in, being on TV. He's like, appreciate all of that. Appreciate the heck out of that. But know that you're never going to replace that in your life. Mm-hmm. So don't move into being a former athlete thinking that you're going to find something that replaces that. He said, find something else that you love and that's really fulfilling and joyous for you and focus on that. Not trying to replace sports with that, but just accepting what sports were, loving what they were, being grateful for them, and now putting your heart into this. So I've tried to remind myself of that, but it's been tough. Are you able to, let me ask you this, because I know personally, certain things are hard for me because I set out, you know, obviously we set out goals and and points that we want to reach in our professional career when it came to sports. Have you been able, if there's anything that you didn't achieve, have you been able to let those go? Because those are the things that have really sat more with me that yeah. I didn't, I wasn't able to accomplish certain things I set out to do. Do you have a specific, because yes, yes, exactly. Do you have any specifics you want to share of goals or dreams that you had growing up that you were not able to professionally achieve? And I'm I'm sorry, I'm pork, poking the, the dark mm-hmm. spot here, but you don't have to if you don't want no, to. But. It's, no, it is. It's good. It's, I mean, you know... I, I spent five years in the NFL and that was probably longer than really I thought maybe that it would last because I was just a guy. I was just a guy. I was, you know, college walk on free undrafted free agent, just a guy that just made it happen somehow. And amazing, by the way, I appreciate it. And so, but still there are things, you know, um, I was able to start the second half of, of one of my years, which was good. So, you know, I was able to like check that box, start a game, like even just one game. But there are just certain things statistically or personally or I've never went to the playoffs or I didn't play as long as I wanted to. I didn't have the statistics that I wanted to. Um, so it's just things like that that, you know, I work so hard for, that we work so hard for, that it's just like, man, you just kind of left that box unchecked. And it's yeah. just it's just one of those things that's taken longer to let go. Yeah. Mine is never winning a Stanley Cup. 
So um, that was my goal the whole time. Mine was winning. And one of the hardest things for me is to let go of that dream, to, to accept the realization that as a player, I will never win a Stanley Cup. But further to that, it's my parents, it's my brother, it's my sister, it's my best friends, it's the people, my coaches throughout my life. It's the people that have supported this journey for me that I always wanted to bring a Stanley Cup to. It's my hometown of Awoda that I wanted to bring the cup back to. Um, that's a big one for me. That's a really big one. It's hard to let that go because I feel like I disappointed so many people. There are personal stats. I wanted to play a thousand games. I ended up short of that. A couple injuries caused me uh shortened my career the release i was released at the end i didn't retire you know i didn't say i'm good with this i'm on my own way out peace right. with this sport like i i check out i'm done i was released that's a hole in my heart so the, there were so many things that i didn't accomplish but when i when i have good days michael when i look back at it my good days are filled with gratitude mm -hmm. my bad days are filled with what i didn't accomplish and when I actually focus on the fact that my actual dream wasn't just winning a Stanley Cup, my dream was expressing myself through my sport every single day. I actually lived my dream every single day. Right. The, the Stanley Cup would have been great, but when I can reflect with that kind of a mindset. Um, so for anybody else that's going through like a transition of career or a loss of career or something and hasn't accomplished goals, that's what I would encourage you like, your, your actual goal was probably to express yourself through the thing that you love, mm -hmm. you know, grateful for that. So there's, there's one thing I wanted to mention that, that sparked it when you said your goals that you weren't able to accomplish. And that was, and I tell my wife this all the time, my biggest actual disappointment that, that I remember now is I always, I was single through my NFL days and I always envied the guys that after practice or after games their kids come onto the field and hug them and they'd run around the field on the, with the kids and I was just when I was in my playing days I was like man I can't wait for that like I can't wait for my kids to like run on and see daddy yeah. in his pet. and I never got that and so that is one thing that's the biggest thing for sure mm -hmm. I wish I would have had that memory with my kids now so, so that's amazing yeah that's I get that because it was so awesome to see guys bring their kids through the locker room and stuff mm -hmm. like that and for me, it's even further, like you're a, you're a, a father, you have a daughter. Um, for me, you have one daughter, right? One daughter and a son. And a son. Yeah. So you have a daughter and a son. For me, I don't have kids yet. So my kids won't know me as that athlete. Right. They'll be like, really, you are that? Like, it, they won't be able to wear my jersey at the game, mm -hmm. you know, which would have been a really cool memory to have. So, um, but that's by my own choice. You know, that was by my own choice. I knew that. But I always thought I'd play as every athlete does think that they would play longer. Right. So um, give me give me your favorite, one of your favorite personal memories or something that you're really proud of about your career as an athlete, Michael. Something uh, internally that you're so just warms your heart and proud of. Here's the thing I will say. And this is something I, I always it's kind of uh, intangible and immeasurable where I never changed. And mm -hmm. I, I say that with confidence and pride that the people that knew me before, the people that knew me during, the people that knew me after, I was the same person. That's awesome. And I, I tell people too, I tell pe young guys that I'll mentor or talk to who are in college or, or, or trying to be in the, you know, in the NFL or whatever, I tell them, look, 
I knew everyone's name from the janitor to our GM. Yeah. I yeah. was like, I should have been cut two years prior to when I actually was by Buffalo. But I truly believe the reason I wasn't was because I was a positive guy around the facility. I was just yeah. one of those guys that like, okay, should we let, uh, he's a, he's a good dude. He like brings the team up. He's, he, he's here every day. He works hard. He never misses. Yeah. He's just, I was consistent. I was the same person every day. And so that's one of those things that I look back on and no one can take that away from me because I was like, I never changed. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that about you, man. Cause I, I feel the same way about myself. Like you said, the janitor to the GM. Um, I miss those relationships. I miss seeing the, the staff at the mm -hmm. rink. You know the the doorman or the uh, locker room staff or anybody. It could be the guy in the elevator. Could be the lady at the parking when we get there. Like I miss seeing those faces and just being involved with those people's lives, um, and knowing that you you are part of something. You aren't the something. Correct. You know. So and there's there's athletes that are like that. They're like I'm the show. I'm here. You're here to serve me. But there's so many other ones that aren't that are like I'm part of this. Right. We are all of this and they share in your wins you yeah. know like that's the fun part they share in your wins so it's the best yeah um your favorite nfl memory favorite nfl memory oh man i like asking athletes this what's one what's one memory maybe a play you made maybe like a feeling looking up and see eighty thousand people in the anthem the planes flying over like i don't know what's what's a memory that stands out to you there is a we're playing so I, I grew up in the DC area. Okay. So I grew up, okay. a, I grew up a skins fan Yeah, and we were playing the Broncos. Was it 2011? I think it was 2011. And on a play I was stretching out and I went to go block champ Bailey. Yeah. And I blocked them and, and did my job. It was great. But it was, it was one of those moments that I'm like, I'm like kind of jogging back to the huddle. I'm like, <laughs> I was a kid watching him. You know, it's right. just like that moment you play with these guys who you looked up to or you were fans of, and it's just like that surreal moment that you're like, wait, what What just happened? Or Im immediately you feel like you're 12 years old again. And so that's one of those. I had a few of those, but that was one of those moments because I grew up a Redskins fan and it was yep. champ and he had been in the league at that point, like 15 years or whatever it was. I was just like, yeah, he's the man. Um, and then so did this happen for you? Because I had that same thing where you're like, yeah, you're not that good, man. I'm on your level now. You know, does he have oh, that? Oh, kind of, for sure. You're for, so proud of yourself. You're like, yeah, he's just human. He's yeah. human. I fan him, but he's human. I'll yep. go toe to toe with you, brother. Let's go. For sure. And I've also had the reverse of that, where I've also, <laughs> where I've also go to hit a guy, and I went to go hit like Takeo Spikes when he was with the Chargers, and he is a brick wall. And I <laughs> went up, and I was 255 pounds when I, in my playing days. I went up and smacked him. I didn't. It was like hitting a tree. Like yeah. that, he didn't go anywhere, not even like off his foot or anything. I just kind of, oh, okay, I'll, you got yeah. it, my bad. I'm just going to run him back. That happens too. Sometimes you'll get a guy and you're like, yeah, you ain't that bad, man. I'm I'm right here with you. I'm here. Uh -huh. Get to know my name. I'm here. And then other times you'll, you'll get a guy you're like, oh, damn. You, yeah, okay, I get it. You're you real. got it. Yeah. You got That's this one. You. That's why I'm You still got it. You're the man. I love it. Um, but it was, that was that was something for me, my first 10 games in the NHL. I was looking around at like these guys that was just like, these were my childhood idols. I'd play them on Sega Genesis. I'd have posters right. of these guys. And then, and then you know, you'd get us, you'd take a puck from them. Like you said, you'd block Champ Bailey. And you're like, okay, I can, I can hang here. Mm -hmm. You know, they're great, great. And it gives me something to strive to, 
to become and be better at. But yeah, I deserve to be here. I can hang here. So that is um, a good feeling. Yeah, awesome, man. So I want to get into more sports with you. Um, and we're also going to bring on another fantastic guest and a hilarious guest. Um, and we're going to have a conversation about sports in general, what it means to us as men. We're going to explain to a lot of our a lot of our community here at How Men Think are female. We're going to explain why sports are so important to us, why they matter so much, why guys are addicted to sports. We're going to get three different angles on it. Um, we'll be right back with another guest right after this, and we'll get into why sports are so important for men. <laughs> Okay, back from break. The question we get from a lot of our listeners, a lot of our listeners are female. We get this question a lot. Why do men love sports? What is it about sports that men are so drawn to? So let's ask a professional athlete here. Let's ask, let's ask you, Michael, what is it about sports that just, not just men, but answering from the male perspective, why are men drawn to sports? Uh, there's, there's two reasons. One, one is uh, maybe the surface level one. To, the second is a little bit deeper. The surface level is there are some guys who may be into sports because it feels like their own thing. They know their significant others or their girlfriends might not be that into it. So it's their time. It's their excuse to have time to themselves. Their excuse to hang out with their buddies. Their excuse to do something else. So that's surface level. But the main reason I think is I kind of touched on before is there's nothing else in life, in my opinion, besides maybe hitting big on the blackjack table, that gives you that immediate uh, energy or excitement or yeah. euphoria that sports does. Nothing else in life gets you out of your seat jumping or have grown men and women paint their faces or wear crazy costumes at arenas or stadiums. Nothing else does that. That's, That's why true. we love it. That's true. Um, so is it? do you think that like guys are reliving their glory days with that? Some are or, for sure. Or is it the other reason, one other reason I heard why men really love sports, it was a great uh, conversation I had, was because they see people that pursued their dreams. So they, they see people that didn't give up. Cause I think every, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't put paint just a broad stroke, but a lot of guys when they're kids want to be a professional baseball player, right. play right. in the NFL, be a professional hockey player. Those are things we want to do when we're kids. We see that as so cool. Right. And then as you get older for a lot of men, they let that go and they pursue other things in life, which is great. They're very successful. They maybe are more fulfilled and happy in other areas, but they also, I think, have somewhat of a respect for that guy held on to that dream and he pursued it. And I used to play against that guy. I played against one guy who played college. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, they still find themselves, they see themselves in the sport a little bit. And we it's all we all know the guy too that that said that, well, if I didn't have this in high, if I didn't blow my shoulder up in high school, if I didn't tear my ACL in this, I would have made, made it too. Yeah everywhere uh and then there's the other guy the older they get the better they were oh you know? for sure um yeah those guys are but the guys with the injuries so a true story i had one guy i met a guy i was on vacation after the season ended i would book like four flights five flights me and my brother and my buddies and we go somewhere and we were in mexico and i had a guy I was just talking to him i was like so what's your name and he's like my name is blah blah i don't want to say his name he's like i was like yeah um tell me your give me a real quick life story and like 20 seconds. He's like, well, I was a professional hockey player. I was drafted by the Washington Capitals. Um, you know, professional, I ended up never going pro, but I was drafted, you know, when I was 17 and just, then I went into like medical or I went into insurance, whatever. He gives me this spiel, but, but he's like, yeah, I still consider myself an athlete. And my buddy sitting beside me is just 
tapping me on the shoulders like, oh, my God. And the guy's like, what is going on? And my buddy goes, so, you know, Brooks here has played for the Capitals for 10 years. <laughs> and this guy just like, shut it. He was just like, oh, damn. <laughs> it's just like I preached this to the wrong guy. That's um, fantastic. But yeah, they still have the, I think that's why guys love it. They still have the dreams. You're so right, Michael, with the like, the jolt of energy. And I think also, as I think about that, as I say that the jolt of energy, it also gives men a reason to like express themselves. Mm -hmm. For sure. I don't think guys are really, I mean, you're a father, so you get to express it with love and stuff to, to your children. But like, I don't think guys, unless they still play sports themselves, get to like, yeah, like, whoa, just like have that life come out of them. Right. Right. Have that jolt, that, that life of that intensity, um, because maybe they go to work and the work environment isn't like that. Or maybe they have a couple daughters and it's not that kind of like an atmosphere. <laughs> at all. You know, like, who knows? Like, it's just so. But that beast is still in there. That competitive drive is still within guys. There's testosterone. They're still like it's so a watching sports. They get to access that expression. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Which I want to turn the tables real quick and ask you a question around that. When you do have kids, are you worried about being that way too much? Like when they do, whether even if it's your daughter or son, whoever it is, are you worried about your energy or your expectations coming out when it comes to sports? I'm not. Truthfully, I'm not. And this is why um, I don't have kids, so I can't say that I'm going to be perfect at it. Mm -hmm. But my parents were so friggin' good so amazing at being so supportive but never pushy mm. you know they never pushed me over the edge they never said you have to do this you have to do that you're like like my my mom god bless her heart always like always think i played the most amazing or always thought i played the most amazing game i could never play a bad game in front of mom she's just like you played so good you tried so hard you're like were you watching mom <laughs> and then and then dad on the other hand dad offered constructive criticism because he knew i wanted to get better in his job he was my coach his job was to try and help me get better wow. always supportive always from a place of love always from a place of trying to help me not putting pressure on me so i think i learned a lot from how my parents handled me but let me ask you that question having two kids like how do you how do you navigate them being in uh, whether it's sports or competition, whether it could be dance or anything else, like how do you navigate that as a parent? Um, do you push them hard? Do you find you push them hard? How do you navigate that? You know, that some of that is to be determined because, you know, my daughter's four. She'll be five in January. My son's almost two. So they're still young in that. Um, what I will say, in contrast to your story, I learned my mom was similar to yours. But That's awesome. my dad was kind of opposite where, so for me, I'm kind of, I've learned what not to do based on my experience of, um, you know, okay. level of disappointment or how that was expressed towards me or frustration and how that was expressed towards me wasn't necessarily healthy. Yeah. Ha having said that, the toughness also is what I needed to, to drive me to where I was. Gotcha. Um, yep. To you know, I, I really look back and be like, well, if he wasn't that hard on me and my personality, and maybe I wouldn't have achieved what I have. Yeah. So, but my biggest thing is I'm trying to practice now is, is always to tell them I'm proud of them, to get on their level. Like even if they did do something wrong or or, or whatever, or need work at something, I get on their level. I never look down at them. Yeah. You know, and, and patronize them in that way. Um, awesome. What a what a 
gift that is to, just for our audience to hear that share that again can you tell us like a little story there yeah so for me this is something i heard i god where did i hear it from i can't even remember someone way way smarter than me said it and i picked and it, it always, i made a mental note of it and it was all about the child psychology of because i remember being a kid and, and most of my memories are of my dad looking down at me yelling yeah. at me screaming at me abusive whatever it was and so i was like i don't want that fear for my kids yeah. I want them to know that I'm imperfect, that they can come and talk to me about fears, about issues, about, you know, adversity and also happiness and joy and everything like that. So what I learned was just getting down on their level, whether it good, bad or indifferent, and just talking to them from that level, especially when they're little kids and just being like, talk to daddy or if I'm disappointed or if I'm happy, whatever it may be, that yeah. way they look at me as a peer. They still respect me as a parent, but they they look at me as as not some superior being that's always right yeah wow that's powerful man that's why i love bringing fathers on this show that's all that's a gift thank you like personally just for me that's a gift um because i never really heard that before um but yeah i can see that as like because you think of coaches you might have had or something just like hollering at you down and oh, makes yeah. you feel inferior or insecure or mm-hmm. lack of confidence whereas somebody down eye level talking to you can be so supportive Mm-hmm. Wow, that's you're gonna, and we're all gonna have our moments where we don't have handle it perfectly, or sometimes they do just need a kick in the ass, you know. But you know, ninety eight percent of the time, I want to be able to to do that in everything. But let me ask you this too, though. So this is a debate my wife and I had, where my daughter a couple years ago she had a dance recital. Okay, okay. our daughter was the one who was running around in circles, <laughs> like not doing the routine. She was like two and a half. It was the yeah. cutest thing in the world. So afterwards, they all got handed this little trophy with this spinny star on it. So we get home. I look at my wife. I was like, hey, I'm going to throw this in the trash. And she's like, what? No, you can't throw a trophy in the trash. Like, I'm like, why? why? She's going to forget about this like tomorrow. Like, She doesn't even remember it now. We're just in the car ride. Like, Why do we need to keep it? Well, she earned I was like, why can't us just saying, we're so proud of you. You should be proud of yourself. Be enough. And so I'm big anti-trophy for everything, but I'd love to know another professional athlete's feelings on that when, you know, the time comes. Oh, man. <laughs> on that one, I don't know. Because I, I agree with you. I mean, kids get trophies for every single thing now, which devalues a trophy. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You, If you get a trophy for every weekend that you play a tournament or something, it's like, well, I got 200 of these. So instead of like, wow, I earned these five. Right. You know? So I see that. On the other hand, I don't know, man, if I'm just because because I'm not a dad and I'm not a dad to a daughter, if she's two and a half and she gets a trophy, I'm going to put that thing right up on the mantle. I just think like, I don't just because I still want to be a dad and have Take a Take down the TV. The trophy's going up, guys. <laughs> Build a little ledge for this four-inch trophy. This thing's going to get a spotlight on it. Oh, yeah. It. Call the electrician. Let's get a spotlight on here. We got. <laughs> Look at this trophy. Look at this. She was the best dancer out there. <laughs> uh, let me ask you that transition though. Coming from like, from being an, an alpha male, a masculine male playing an alpha sport. How how is it as a man going to like a dance recital, dance competition? I I love it. I'm a hundred percent that dad that's in the back, like doing the moves, like with my yeah. daughter, like, no, you got to do it like this and like this. And I'm, uh, so if, even if my daughter wants to pursue dancing or cheerleading, I will be that dad that's doing the moves, practicing the routine with her. Like, let's do this. Let's get after it. I love it. That's awesome, man. I could see myself doing that. Yeah. Um, 
were you nervous about that before you were a parent? Like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to, like, if I have a daughter and she's not into sports like I am, I'm, am I going to be able to connect with her? Were you nervous about that? You know, I think that's that's a great question because I think as athletes, we we get that question all the time, right? Like, are you going to steer your kids away from sports because of health reasons that you know of? Are you going to steer your kids? Are you going to make them play sports because you did at the highest level? I'm I'm indifferent. I want them to, they're going to do something, right? Sitting at home, not doing anything. But like our daughter, she's showing more interest towards dance and she's very artsy, like loves to draw. She's a phenomenal drawer for four years old. So we might get her a little art teacher to come over and, and like ins- help inspire her, her creativity some more because she's so creative. So I really don't care because, and you'll learn this when you, you're a dad, you see them doing something that makes them happy. Like our daughter yesterday just drew a picture of the family and she even draws me bald without any hair. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so fitting. And she puts it up on the fridge. I'm like, how cool is this? Yeah. Like, you know, like she drew the dogs and everything. And it's just, I love it. I don't, I don't care. Um, at all really i i love that outlook uh i feel like and i can only project this because i'm not there yet but i feel like i would be the same what i do want to do is i want to get when i have kids i want to get them touches on as many things as possible mm-hmm. so i, I don't want to just take them to the rink and say okay this is what you're going to do right i want to play soccer with them i want to play basketball with them i want to dive in the ocean with them mm-hmm. i want to play golf with them i want them to water ski i want them to um dance i want them to like whatever and then just see just expose them to everything yep. and then see what they gravitate towards. Like you said, your daughter's gravitating towards drawing or being mm-hmm. an artist, dancing, very artistic side. So I do want to, and I'm also curious because I don't want them to be me. Right. And I don't want my kids to be me because they're not me. They're, they'd be mixed with a partner and I want to just see what their life is. So I don't know. I think it's got to be so cool, man. You know, I will say to that, though. So my wife grew up in Michigan. Okay, she figure skated for like 13 years. So she's tried to get Jolie on the ice a bunch and and our daughter hates it. And she can't wait to get our son on the ice, too. And she she wants to be a little hockey mom and and all this stuff. She was even a skate girl for the Red Wings back in the day or some some crap. But and I told I told her, I was like, you can't have both. I was like, you can't take both of them and, and want them to do skiing. I was like, my biggest thing is I just want one of them to do something I can help teach them. Mm. Right. So I never did, you know, I, I love hockey, but I never played hockey. I can yeah. skate. Okay. Cause I'm athletic, but that's about it. So I was like, I can't teach them anything. I just want to be able to share my knowledge of something. And so that includes, you know, golf, basketball, baseball, football, even soccer. Yeah. But I was like, anything outside of that, you know, I don't, which is cool too. If, if neither one of them do any, any of those, I'm cool with it because I'll learn about it. I'll dive in. I'll just help them from a general standpoint of like work ethic and, and, and everything like that. But that is one thing I told my wife, you can't have both. I was like, I need, I want to be able to teach them something. Um, what, just a personal question for you. What if your boy said, um, dad, I really want to play football. I want to, I want to, make football my life and pursue a career in professional football. I want to go to college. Um, what would you feel if your son approached you with that? You know, that man, like what a, I've never been asked that question. Good question. Because I'm typically asked what if they don't want to play and I'm fine mm. with that. But if they do want to play and they talk about, they want to pursue it seriously, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to do some introspection because knowing, you know, guys like us, knowing what it takes. Exactly. That's my exact thought. To get there, knowing the sacrifices and knowing that it takes luck too. Mm-hmm. Like you can be in the, it really does. Whether yep. luck from injuries, luck from right place, right time, luck, just luck. So, and to know how that lifestyle is of, of uncertainty and of, of traveling across the country and maybe bouncing from team to team from, you know, from trying to manage your schedule as a young adult in college and being a student athlete. And so that I have more fear around that because, because guys like us know what it takes and know how much time, effort, emotionally, mentally, and physically it, it takes on you. Do you think it would take you a while to like dive in and help him? What if you said, okay, dad, I, I appreciate that. I'm still going to go anyway. Yeah. I mean, I would be right there for him. I would just want him to know that, you know, what you're signing up for takes a lot, you know, and I had, so I have a younger brother who's 14 years younger than me and same parents and everything. My parents were married 30 some years. He's just a nice little surprise. Awesome. And he's in college right now playing football. And, you know, when he started saying that, I thought I was going to have to have more of that conversation. But the thing about him, which was cool, is he was old enough to see me play mm-hmm. and come to my games, which was cool, that yep. he saw me work and he saw how hard, you know, how much effort it took and everything in the off season, And and so he he's able to he was able to mimic that. So I haven't really had them have many of those conversations. I told him, I was like, you work twice as hard harder than I did at your age so I'm not worried about him but it is scary if if you know our sons come up to us and say they want to play the sport that we played yeah I can see I could see that when you were when I asked you that question you echoed my what I was thinking my first thought would be do you know how far (laughs) how deep and dark that you've got to go to get good enough Mm -hmm. to to be there like the the depth of what how you how far you need to pursue this, like who that would give me hesitancy because I know and you know how far you have to go, what it requires of you, um, to get that. So, um, I mean, think wow. about think about the days, and I'm I'm sure you can attest to this. I feel like uh you know everyone on the outside looking at professional athletes, like man, they gotta love their job, they're living their dream and all that stuff. Like they probably happy every day. Yes, essentially we are. But those dog days of those workouts and those days where you're just like, do I really want to do this anymore? Mm-hmm. Or even when you're trying to make it and you're training and you're throwing up and you're exhausted and you're like, and then you have to get up and do it again tomorrow. Yeah. It's like those are the moments that you you fear because you want your child or, or someone close to you to be able to do that. But those are the days exactly that you're talking about that it's just, it's, you go to a dark place, man. Yes. There was a week, dude, there was a week in February. This happened in February every year. I was 13 years pro, 15 years pro, 13 years in the NHL. Um, every year in February, there was one week where I was like, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I quit, man. I just quit. It was, I was just like, I, this sucks. I am so beat up. I'm so tired. Because um, you play every second day, second half of the season, we play – every second day Hmm. and then it continues right through playoffs and you're traveling your five games and seven nights and five different cities on the road. And you're just like a zombie 
shoulders wrecked, can't turn your head right, knees banged up, just block the shot, and you're just like, I quit. <laughs> but but you pursue it, you go through it, right. go through it. Right. Um, I'm surprised, actually, that is one thing, I know we're going to get Petros on here in a minute, but that is one thing that I uh, commend, like, you guys and all pretty much all the other professional sports besides football, the traveling aspect. I can't imagine the traveling that y'all have to do, the amount of hotels you have to stay in. Because that's the thing. We get, to, I mean, we're maybe two nights in a hotel, and that's if we're going from coast to coast. We go a day early, we leave on Fridays, but mostly it's leave on Saturday, you spend one night in a hotel, and then you go back home on yeah. Sunday after the game. Yeah. So uh, the, you, I don't, you just get used to it. And you stay in, like, stay in the same hotels you guys do. It's mandatory. Right per the CBA that we stay in five-star hotels. Right, so it's, right. it's Carl four seasons and stuff. Um, you just kind of get used to it, but uh, the travel, I mean, you know, professional teams have traveled down to a science no and question. as a sleep doctor. So they'll look at the schedule and get you scheduled and you we're going to stay overnight in this city. The hard part about the travel is when you play a uh, you're in DC and we play a game down in Tampa Bay and we fly back that night, we get in at two 30 and we got to be at the rink at, 10 30 for practice the next morning and you're like i'm tired and then uh you know and maybe that's after your third game in four nights or something so that's uh the tougher part of it but um uh joining us now michael um we're gonna bring in another guest to talk about sports yes because they haven't had enough of sports with you and i yet so we're bringing in another guest I believe he has just joined this beautiful, beautiful Zoom call. By the way, I hate Zoom. I'd rather see you guys in in studio. But this man is a college football analyst for Fox Sports. He is hilarious. He's also on the Petros and Money Show. And he has, if I was a sportscaster, I think I would love to say this name if he's an athlete. Petros Papadakis in the house. (laughs) Petros, are you there, brother? I'm here. Yes. Dude, can, I just want to say your name again. Like Petros Papadakis. Like you could be, I could hype you up as the most, the most thrilling athlete of all time with that name. Can you, I used to be an athlete and they, they had, they had a hard time uh, saying my name back in the day. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that a back? That's Oral Her. I interviewed Oral Hershiser last time I was doing Zoom. I love it. We got a picture of him in an old Coogee sweater. In 1988, back when uh, the Dodgers, last time the Dodgers won the World Series. Hold on, I'll make it uh, normal. I love it, Uh, man. I love it. Leave it. Uh, (laughs) But no, I I used to play football. I'm the captain of the worst football team in uh, USC history. So uh, they used to say my name all the time back in the day. Uh, But now I say other people's names and then try my best to get them right uh, for the last, (laughs) you know, 20 years. Um, so brother, welcome to the show. So Thank you. sorry I'm late. No, no worries at all. You never late. Never be sorry, bro. We appreciate you being here. Michael and I have been diving into our journeys as professional athletes migrating out of sport, but then also we're diving into the journey of why do men love sports so much? Like what is it about sports that just draws men to sports? We're trying to answer this question for our female listeners of how men think. They're like, why do you guys love sports? Petros, tell us why we love sports. Well, uh, it's many layered, uh, but interesting. You know, I'm Greek, so and I've uh, traveled a lot in Greece, especially when I was a young person. So uh, 
going to Greece and going to those old arenas, which are still there, where yeah. they would have uh, competition. And it was different back then. Obviously, everybody was naked and all greased up. And uh, the, the women had to hide in the trees if they wanted to watch. A bit of a misogynistic society. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the one thing you kind of get out of it is, I mean, there wasn't really any reward for competing back then. But people competed because really for the same reason people compete now at its core, which is... The competition itself is just men or women or whoever competing. But what gets revealed uh, because of the competition is character and virtue. Uh, and I mean, deep down, I think that's why people are interested because it's, you know, especially with a football background uh, that I have, which is a sport that probably shouldn't exist. You know, if, if we had a perfect world, it's a bludgeoning really tough sport but one thing that you can say about every football game uh is there's people young men overcoming adversity yeah and uh it's one thing to do right like we all kind of want to do it and be on a team if there's a lot of sacrifice i heard you guys talking when i was struggling to get on there's a lot of real sacrifice involved in doing it at a very high level and consistently and maintaining that but we all like to be on its periphery too you know you've seen the ugliest athletes on the world in the world with some of the most beautiful partners and you wonder <laughs> what's going on you know well yeah. maybe maybe you know she didn't know what it's like to score a touchdown you know but she wants to be as close as possible even if the guy looks like a, a sea monster so uh <laughs> yeah i mean we've all seen it uh so there's something there's just something attractive about it that goes way past, uh, you know, corporate sponsorship and TV and Buffalo Wild Wings and, you know, fat guys tailgating in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, there is something, uh, there's a human uh, drama, I guess, that we all uh, want a piece of uh, at some level. Interesting you know? take. Interesting take. Is that so... I like that take. That's a different outlook than Michael and I have covered. Somewhat Michael has touched on that. But um, what do you think, Believe just further to that, I love what you said is that overcoming the the obstacle or the adversity in the game, it, there's, there's something revealed about a person's character or virtue, who they are as a human being, not just who they are as an athlete. Why do you think – what is it that you think uh, draws you, and I'll ask both of you guys – to be a fan of a specific player where you're like, that's my guy. What is it in, in, in that uh, athlete that you really like, why, like Petros, why do you like this pitcher or this, you know, cornerback or what is a, what is a characteristic that you were drawn to when watching sports? Well, you might be shocked to know that I like uh, flawed people. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and I was a, a big, stupid running back. Actually, I wasn't as fat when I played, but uh, I love bludgeoning backs. You know, uh, yeah. I love, there was a guy who had a big, a lot of personal problems. I saw him when I was a kid on the sideline um, where Michigan, my dad played at USC as well. And uh, Michigan destroyed USC in a Rose Bowl in the 80s. And it was a running back named Leroy Horde who, uh, who was the MVP of the game. And he went on to have an NFL career, but uh, he, he had cocaine problems and all these things that plague athletes, you know, especially in the eighties. 
and he had a comeback uh, after a guy got hurt, Robert Smith, who uh, is a colleague of mine at Fox, uh, an old Ohio State running back who was trying to get a pre-med degree at the same time, made a lot of news back then. And uh, he had a comeback, and he had like a 1,500-yard season, and they asked him, you know, can you describe your running style, you know, to, to, the, to the, the fans? And he said, well, if you need one yard, I'll get you three. And he said, if you need 10 yards, I'll get you three. <laughs> and, you know, to me, you know, that, to me, it's that kind of humility and that kind of uh, awareness of your mortality as an athlete that I kind of, because most guys, obviously, to do it, you got to feel pretty invincible and uh, you got to approach it like that. So little glimmers of stuff like that uh, really attract me. That's something I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I, I like that. That's amazing. Uh, Michael, for you, two-part question. Um, what attracts you to be a fan of a player today, and why were people fans of you? What characteristics did you have that people made you a fan of you? For sure. Today, uh, kind of like Petra said, I, I like when I know people's story and they've overcome adversity. Like, even yeah. taking it back, like, I liked Michael Vick even when his glory days in Atlanta. But then the fact that he dealt with what he dealt with, came back and played. Like, where else other than sports can you go from – hero to zero and zero to hero again like you know what i mean so it gives you that platform to be able to control your narrative and, and overcome this adversity publicly where instantly really success can help change people's image of you based on you know even mm -hmm. over from what you've gone through negatively so I, I really do like that and then i mean outside of guys i know personally like ryan fitzpatrick is my favorite human being yep. he was my quarterback in buffalo the years i spent there and and people always want why is he playing for so many i was like you meet this guy you realize why every team wants him there and i was yeah. like that's and he was one of the guys that i looked up to when i played because i was young then and so that's what i would say brooks to your second part of the question is why people were a fan of me or again enjoyed having me around was because i was a positive energy i was a smile on my face i, I said hi to people never too good to do anything always you know again like we talked about before whether it was Keith the janitor or, you know, our GM. So it didn't matter. I was talking to everybody. I was treating everybody like a peer. And I think that's why, you know, people enjoyed communicating with me and having me around. I think a lot of people, yeah, I love that, man. That's awesome. What a, they call that intangibles in sports. Those are intangibles. Those are glue guys. It's like the team wants that guy to be here. The team is like telling the GM, can you sign Michael? Like we need him here. We want him here. Um, those guys are awesome. Those are some of my favorite teammates of all time. Um, I've played with some world-class guys, unbelievably talented guys, and some of my favorite teammates are guys that's carved out 10-year careers with um, – I had one one teammate that was one of my top three to five teammates of all – favorite teammates of all time, and his skills might have been like minor league level. But he had such heart, such dedication – so funny, so good in the locker room, showed up for every single teammate, so dedicated, you know, just that he carved out an amazing career for himself. And I just have such respect for that. The other thing that you see is you in sports, I believe this, there's a lot of, as in any industry, there's good humans and there's bad. In sports, there are a lot of exceptional human beings. Like you just said, Ryan Fitzpatrick, there are some human beings, the fabric of the, the quality of person that they are, they are leading and spearheading an entire group of people, a city, a movement, 
and everybody is watching them and for the right reason because they are that kind of a person man or woman so i i align with that too i align with the human nature of a person their service and and um and their as you said their mortality petros and their humility and the, their like gratitude for being part of this city, not being, you played for the Skins, you were from the DC area. I wasn't, I was from Canada, but the city welcomed me in mm -hmm. as an adopted son. You know how friggin' cool that is, you know? So I wanna represent my adopted family as best I can. Um, I think that was one of the reasons I was loved. Um, awesome. But it's really interesting, like why, why certain people are drawn to certain players. Um, let me ask you both this, both as former players. Another question. Do you guys get the same adrenaline rush when watching as you do when playing, as you did when playing? Petros, go ahead. Uh, uh, for me, I, you know, I, I call games and have been doing it for, you know, since 2004 for Fox. And I was really young when I was doing that. And I was calling the games, you know, specifically Pac-12 games. Or 10 at that time that, you know, they were guys that I had played with or against or, or recruited, you know, now I'm 43 and the guys look like kids, you know, inside yeah. the face mask. And, and I like that about college football because kids make mistakes and it, it does make the game exciting. Whereas, you know, in the NFL, the hash marks are close. There's, as you know, there's, there's no room to go anywhere unless you have the balls to go through somebody. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it makes the level of football excellent but also a little bit predictable uh, in college. I mean, these guys are freaking out. You know, most of them aren't even used to the crowd and can't <laughs> even hear their teammates. I mean, the, the chaos of it is really something that I try to continue to connect with. Oh, cool. Uh, because, you know, when, when you get older and you're up in the booth and you have your suit on and somebody's giving you water and, you know, somebody picks you up and drives you to the airport when it's over, you know, you can become an a-hole pretty fast. Uh but they moved me down on the field for a couple of years and I did kind of like a sideline analyst thing for uh, Joel Klatt who works at Fox. And I kind of smelled the players, you know, sweat again and listen to the coaches scream and just kind of felt the chaos of it. And that gave me a little bit more adrenaline than I was used to you know, co covering games. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of funny when you're watching these games without fans and you're watching guys, you know, mm. Mookie Betts, you know, the most excellent level of athlete out there. And they're they're playing this really high level without the fans there, you know. And gosh, you know, channeling 20 years ago, you know, if you get the ball in a college football game, it, you know, 100,000 people in the stands, yeah. they see the hole yeah. when you see the hole. And yeah. they get all, you know, they get up too. Yeah. And you can't recreate that. You know, mm -hmm. you just can't. Now, there's not enough pores in your body to recreate that stuff. Yeah. So I guess the long answer is no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what about you? Do you get adrenaline rush watching? Like you watch your brother? Do you get the same adrenaline? I mean, nothing compares for sure when you're the one under the helmet or, or anything with the, you know, cleats laced up. But luckily now being far enough removed playing fantasy sports again, that gets mm -hmm. me that gets me amped up enough, you know? Um, but I will say to Petros's point, you know, I was watching the tour championship last round yesterday. I'm a big golfer and watching these guys were, you know, Justin Thomas and, and Xander Shoffley were kind of making their move on Dustin Johnson. And, you know, Justin Thomas hit a big birdie put on like 16. And I just, I, I was like, 
to myself, I was like, oh, but I'm like, there's no roar on the TV. And it was just even a, a sport as quiet as and calm and professional as golf, not feeling that crowd. I was just missing the hell out of it. I was like, I can't even imagine football starting on Thursday. I don't even know how yeah. we're going to, it's going to be the weirdest thing in the world. If I can't handle watching golf without fans, I don't know how we're going to watch football. Hockey's in it right now. Hockey's in the third round of the playoffs with no fans. Um, and exactly what you said, there is the reason we love, the reason I love being a professional athlete is people get to bear witness to your excellence, mm -hmm. right? So when you make a player, like when I would score a goal, 18,000, 20,000 people erupt. And as you said, Petros, like chanting your name, like your number, like high-fiving because of you, like your name comes up on the scoreboard and they cheer and they clap. Like people get to bear witness to the years and decades that we put in, Michael, of pursuing this excellence to be there. And that's such a thrill. Like, I don't think I don't even come close when I'm watching to having that <laughs> same kind of adrenaline rush as uh, as when playing just because it was it's just it's such and it almost breaks my heart. I, I've actually thought, like, what can I do in life again where I can be in front of a stadium stadium audience? Because that is so freaking cool so um i want to i want to hijack a question brooks real quick for petros because i've i've personally i've known enough guys now that, that kind of in the line of work that you are in petros but i remember even before i did and and watching commentators or watching sideline analysts or whatever being like man that's got to be so easy all you gotta do is just talk about it but i know now knowing enough guys in that world how crazy and how much work y'all put into it so i'd love for for brooks listeners on the show to understand how difficult and how much goes into what you do now? Well, what's interesting, you know, is I, I wasn't, you know, clearly a star football player. I mean, I, I was uh, serviceable, but uh, my value in broadcasting is not like, hey, this guy won a Heisman or something. You know, it turned out being that, you know, that I've had longevity. So I trained a lot of people, or at least used to. This year's a little wonky, but uh, usually I'm in the booth with, somebody else like i tra trained mark helfrich uh, uh hutchinson big hutch the hall of famer you know some guys are better than others and you know they all know more football than i'll ever know you know they'll forget more football than i'll ever know uh i trained demarco murray he went back to coaching uh mm -hmm. shane vereen we recently trained so you know usually i do a three-man booth with a guy and i teach him how to call a game for fox and you know it's a really interesting question uh, because it does seem pretty easy as a football player. You sit down and you say, oh, they're green right. You know, here comes, you know, here comes horse two, you know, hot Bronco or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and you just do it. You speak your football language in your mind as an ex-football player, and, and whether it's defense or offense, and you just watch the guys line up. A game is – calling a game is so much different. And the one thing to really remember that I try to teach these guys with TV is, I mean – we're part of this, but it ain't about us. I mean, we're, we're, uh, we have a director. I mean, the cool thing about football on TV is football on TV, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. colors, the pictures, the close up stuff, the slow motion, yeah. cameras, you know, if we can show that without vomiting all over the thing and telling old football stories about stuff that no one cares about anymore, <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff is, uh, is helpful but you know everybody gets caught up you know you think it's your moment and you hear yourself talking and you get all riled up so there's a real balance you know between 
giving everybody their due. Like, you know, that's your moment, you know, especially in a college game. Like, your family's probably going to watch that touchdown 500 times, you know, on the DVR and yeah. everybody in your town. And, man, I got to get that guy's name right. You know, I got to – we yeah. got to celebrate that properly. That's his moment, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to overdo it, too, because we got pictures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a real balance uh, to walk. Some people like it, you know, when – Tony Romo tells everybody what's going to happen. But Michael, you know that a lot of guys can tell you what's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not supposed to be future tellers right. uh, unless the audience wants it. And the audience got really excited when Romo did it. And now he's getting like $40 million to call football. <laughs> um, okay. One, one question for both of you, because uh, we don't have a lot of time left. One question for both of you. Start with you, Michael. What is it that you love the most about sports in like two to three sentences? What is it that you love the most about sports? It's the opportunity for young men and women to, to achieve greatness every Mm -hmm. day, whether at practice or a game, it's their opportunity every day to grow. And there's tangible evidence, typically, whether you grow, you either get, like the co- all of our coaches have said, you either get better or you get worse Yeah. every single day. Any athletes heard that. So it's it's an opportunity every day to do that. I love it. Petros, what about you? What is, it that, what is the thing that you love the most about sports? For me, you know, uh, just going to Dodger Stadium and doing a show, you know, doing our radio show leading up to the game and – seeing all the people that make micheladas, you know, all the people that sports bring together, Mm. you know, whether they're working or playing or watching or coaching Mm. or a special needs person or people in a retirement home that can't go anywhere. And it's their pleasure three hours a day to hear the game or to watch it. You know, to me, that's, that's its power. You know, it, it, it brings us together, whether you can perform or not. And yeah. uh, that, especially nowadays, very special, obviously. Yeah. Mine is, uh, I look at it from an athlete's perspective because as a former athlete, uh, mine was the, the chase of my potential. The marrying of intelligence with the physical capabilities, having to develop both and all of the characteristics, um, the pursuit of excellence as a human to be able to master a craft. I need to get better in so many ways, not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, um, the discipline and that pursuit of excellence in order to express myself through the mastery of a craft. Um, it taught me almost everything I know about myself. Those lessons, good and bad, it taught me everything almost that I know about myself. And so that'll forever live on with me. So uh, really interesting, guys. I appreciate appreciate your perspective. Uh, Petros, we got to let you go right now. Uh, and then uh, Mike will be back with another little bit with you after the break. Uh, but both of you guys are on a time crunch, so we're going to be real quick. But thank you, Petros, for coming on, my man. Look forward yeah, to all some more games. Thank you, Brooks. Well, we'll see. We, either way, you know, the world's going to keep on turning. <laughs> you got it, brother. Okay, cheers. Cheers, buddy. Appreciate you. you. Right after this break. Bye, Mike. See you, buddy. What an awesome hour, Michael. You're the man. Um, buddy, 
where can our community, our Hellman Think podcast community, where can they get more of you? Where do you hang out? Social media, the podcast? Tell us where they can find more of you, buddy. For sure. So uh, I'm not on social media. I'm a rare unicorn in that aspect. But my but everything is kind of through my wife. She just, she posts enough for both of us. So it's her, <laughs> her Instagram is at Kramer Girl. You can go to um, www.janamike.com. We also have our podcast on iHeartRadio, Wind Down with Jana and Mike. And we also, our book comes out. Um, that we wrote called The Good Fight comes out September 22nd and you can pre-order your uh, edition right now on Amazon. Man, and you guys like on the podcast, you guys are two transparent people. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no more skeletons in these closets. I'll say that, man. You guys like you guys, if you haven't listened to their podcast, check it out because they'll, they'll air all of it. And, and it's refreshing to see um, to see people air disagreements. You know, and yeah. in couples, like I, I think, um, I think couples too often harbor things and internalize things. And you guys, you guys are almost the exact opposite. You'll share everything. What have you learned the most? What's been like one big lessons from doing the podcast with your wife? You know, we have found it is therapeutic for us because it does, it does get us talking. It has become our, our brand per se that we, we discuss these hard topics and these difficult conversations. Um, for us, it's just it's opened us up even more because we realize that people do want to be open. People want to be transparent with each other. It's just society puts this pressure on you to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to show happiness all the time. And we're like, look, that's why we titled our book The Good Fight. We're like, couples are going to fight. For those of you who don't think you're going to, that's it's BS. Like you're going, it's inevitable. So if you're going to fight, you might as well do it in a way that you can grow you all closer together as opposed to apart. Yeah, it's a good saying that I heard um, and used actually just the other day. Fight for, not fight against. Exactly. Yeah, fight for. So, what was the book the book writing process like? Man, it was it, it was a process. It was a year long process, and and the thing that Jan and I are the most proud of is we wrote every word ourselves. We didn't awesome. have a ghostwriter, anybody help us. It was just us in our office cranking this stuff out. Um, it's from both of our voices. It's from her voice, from my voice, and a, from a we voice. And it's that way you really get the, the tone and the, the feeling of, of what the, the, you know, the words coming off this page and, and everything. So you, you'll feel our emotion through, through the pages. And it's a, it was a long process that caused a lot of arguments in itself and, <laughs> you know, caused a lot of fights. And, uh, but it was, it was, it was cool, man. I've been, uh, I've been asked a couple times to write a book and, I, I just haven't dedicated time to it. I've been like, I don't know what my purpose with doing that right now would be. Um, but one one person, one friend actually gave me a great point. They're like, it's actually really a great reflection and study of your life. It'll actually really catch you up to speed on your life. And you'll get you'll get insights from it that are that you'll discover that you didn't even weren't even really aware of. You know, because it's you're, you're sharing your heart, you're sharing your something value. You only got X amount of pages, so something in your life that's going to go in there has got to be something that that um, defined or was part of your life in a massive way that you want to share to help people with. So, um, for that journey, did you experience that? Did you learn a lot about yourself actually through and your wife, your relationship through that journey? Yeah, I think we really um, grew. A higher level of respect for one another because we're writing these pages and reading these words and we're like like damn we've been through a lot you know yeah. like both of us individually both of us as a couple and it's just like 
it was it was invigorating because it was it was also inspiring because we're like hey we've done all of what we just wrote like we can do this yeah like you know so it was there was a form of reflection and gratitude afterwards it's like look at what we what we've overcome and i can imagine the same thing like you said your friend said to you like it would be the same where you 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 know talk about your life and things you've done you're like man i did that and it's really uh it really is validating to, to your soul to be like hey i'm a human being i've been through some hard times but i'm still standing here on two feet breathing and i can be present and grateful for that that's amazing i love that you and jan are so involved and like um committed you do a lot of projects you do the podcast wind down together you did the book together um it's a great way i admire it from far i admire it that you both stepped forward because a lot of couples will actually avoid that because that's tough stuff Mm -hmm. to to have that much proximity with your partner and that much vulnerability and transparency and then to have the world comment on it yeah right not, not even just to show up like that in a relationship, but to show up like that in a public platform and forum where then people are going to offer their unsolicited, just whatever uneducated opinion on things and judge your relationship and to have to deal with that. I just commend you both. I think you're both kind of pioneers in the space leading with your heart. And I think you've inspired a lot of people to open up in their relationship. So good on you, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, the thing about it kind of touches I want to touch on what we talked about at the beginning with like the transitional thing the one thing about you know Jan and I working so much together it would be hard for any couple ship it's going to have its obstacles and I'm one of those people like my ideal day is like by myself around nobody her ideal day is like right next to me what are we going to do all day every second of the day (laughs) we just have different love languages and for me you know finding my identity after sports you know being married, being with someone of celebrity status that mm-hmm. you can relate to and and where you go from being your own entity to now you're so and so's husband yeah. or so and so's yeah. fiance. And so I've had times where I've sh- struggled be- that we do so much together because I'm like man, it, am I going to have just my own thing? And yeah, I know there I- there are things will happen, but I did a I had a normal job a couple years ago in LA when we were first living out there. So for two and a half years, I did medical sales. Mm-hmm. And it was a grind, an absolute grind. And, but it was also the most fulfilling thing that I had done since my playing days because it was just me. Yeah. It was just me that. doing something, me punching the clock, you know, my own responsibilities. There's a lot of fires you got to put out in that job and you got to perform. And so they're, they love hiring athletes because of that. So there is something to be said about working so much together, but early on I had an issue. Now I've, I've been able to, to realize that I can get out of my own shit and be like, Hey, this is us doing this. This isn't just me riding coattails. It's we have our thing together and that's great. Super cool, brother. I appreciate that. I respect that. I love that. Thanks, man. Uh, I love that you're a father. I love that you're committed to the relationship and committed to, um, to the struggle. I, I say it in my prayers daily. I, I, I think I'm thankful for the blessings and the challenges in our lives because both of them, both of them become and define who we are, what, you know, so oh, they, yeah. they sculpt and change and challenge and, and mold us to become who we are. So, uh, my dude, I appreciate you. Any of our listeners check out wind down. This man is real right here. You're going to get the real deal with Michael and his wife, Jenna. Um, till next week, Michael, thank you so much. I could go on, dude, we got to have another conversation about the athlete. Anytime, man, we can go on all day. I love it. 
we can go on forever, but uh, I love what you're doing. I love that you're finding your groove in uh, after first retirement. We right, we call it first. <laughs> That's retirement. right. I love that you're finding your groove in in uh, whatever you move forward, and a lot of the characteristics from being an athlete will serve you in this next chapter. So, thank you for listening, everybody. Till next week, take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here for another episode of How Men Think. Brooks, thanks, buddy.